Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Sport podcast. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport. In this episode, you'll hear from Sarah Butler at Shoot the Company and Steve Smith at Sky Sports. The chair is BBC Sports presenter Gavin Ramjam. The podcast is a session from the Broadcast Sport Content Summit held at Doc 10 Studio in September. In this session called Using Sport Media for Cultural Change, the panellists talk about what they're doing to help facilitate cultural change and raise awareness of key issues such as gender and racial equality and social media bullying. I'm excited to bring you this new panel. It's um, a really important one, I believe, and it is, you know, stuff that I think is a conversation that needs to be had amongst a, a lot of the industry. It's um, talking about how broadcasters, how organisations within sport and other federations, what they can do to facilitate cultural change. So thanks for coming to the panel. And I've got two wonderful guests on, as you can see. Um, the last couple of um, years, really, we've seen a lot of seismic change, haven't we, in terms of, you know, conversations in our, in our world. Lots of stuff has been, you know, is open to change. I think a lot of stuff still needs to change. Um, we need to raise awareness on key issues like gender and racial uh, equality, uh, social media bullying, and, and many more things. And we're going to be discussing some of those issues in this panel about how broadcasters can tackle it and how other organisations in the field can can tackle these issues too by raising awareness and getting behind initiatives as well. So um, we've got Sarah Butler here, MD of uh, Shoot the Company on my left, and Steve Smith on the end here, Executive Director of Content for Sky Sports. So two fantastic people to have on. Um, before we um, show a couple of videos, I just wanted to get the panel to introduce themselves quickly. So a little bit of a quick job overview, if you like, Sarah, first, and then we'll show you your, your video. So hi, I'm Sarah. Thank you for having me. Um, so at Shoot the Company, we specialise in sporting documentaries and content that tell the stories behind the live action, um, stories that really matter. And I think today there's two campaigns that I'm going to be highlighting. Um, the first is Outraged, which is our documentary that we produced for UEFA. And the second is the Women in Football Get Onside campaign. Cool. So we can have a look at Outraged now. Sweet. <laughs> Nice work. Nice work, Sarah. And um, Steve, yourself as well. So you've got a really interesting job, a, job, a very wide-ranging job as well, haven't you? So give us a bit of an overview about um, what, you, what is you do with Sky Sports, and then we'll show your video too. Yeah, OK. So uh, follow that. Wow. <laughs> um, so my, my role is that I'm, so I'm responsible for the teams that create all the content at Sky Sports. So I've got a great team that actually does the stuff, uh, makes the stuff, brings it to air. I've got a few of them in the audience today and a few who were with us previously. Um, uh, and, and therefore, I've got a relatively easy job in that sense and a great job. Um, and I think, you know, we just try and uh, bring some of the, the stuff in that, that Sarah's got reflected in that, that documentary and we bring it to life day to day and we keep it part of the, the narrative through Sky Sports News, through our digital output, through our social channels. Um, and I think the clip that you'll see... Um, shows probably how there's been a bit of a change in not just Sky Sports attitude, but I think generally the sports media attitude is about to combat some of the discrimination that's going on. We need to work together collaboratively. Cool. Then let's have a look at that clip now. Sweet. So yeah, that... 
that campaign, yeah, that, that cross-broadcaster uh, cross campaign, of course, with BBC as well on that one. So that one, again, is a huge, it was a huge um, uh, thing that went on our website as well as on a lot of the, the output for BBC Two. And um, great work you're doing on that front as well, Steve. Um, so first then, let's kick off uh, with um, some of the initiatives that you've worked on. We've seen some of the, the films you've just produced there, guys. Um, uh, but the initiatives you've worked on to, you know, attempt to utilise sport and raise awareness of, of key issues to enable change for the better. What are those, would you say, off the top of your sort of agenda, would you say, Sarah? So outraged um, that you saw the clip off there actually came off the back of our campaign that we developed with UEFA, the Equal Game campaign. Um, that came from UEFA conducting a fan engagement survey back in 2016 to really just across all of Europe, actually. Um, and what came out of that was that UEFA was seen as slightly elitist and out of touch with the grassroots game. So Equal Game was born um, and has turned into the Respect campaign, has been incredibly successful and has been running for a couple of years. And it was off the back of that that Outraged was commissioned. And I think the really important thing to note um, from UEFA's perspective, that it was actually very much a listening exercise. It wasn't UEFA driving that story. It was bringing all of those players to the table to give them their voice to actually really listen and understand you know, the issues um, for discrimination right across the board within the game. Mm. And Steve, that listening sort of side of things, how important would you say that's been in, in the work that you've done with Sky? Yeah, I think it's, it's been really important. I mean, uh, interestingly, you said 2016, that was really when we started listening to um, actually our networks at Sky. Mm. Uh, and it was the LGBTQ plus network that came to me and said, uh, would we get involved with Rainbow Laces? And if we got involved with Rainbow Laces, would it be Sky or would it be Sky Sports that would get involved? And <clears throat> the fact that their tagline was, you know, make sport everyone's game, just really resonated with me. Um, and I said, absolutely, this should be a Sky Sports um, partnership. So we joined, we joined Team Pride at that point. Um, I think we were uh, working at that, at that stage with the Premier League and they became a founder partner of Team Pride as well. Um, and it was about making um, a statement through football, working with the football organisations for the fans really um, to, 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 to combat discrimination that, that they face. So mm. listening to our people um, uh, within the organisation and hopefully using the power of our voice and our platforms to, to raise awareness around, at that time, the issue around rainbow laces and discrimination around homophobia. Absolutely. Um, and what a great campaign it's been with, with all that too. It's really raised so much awareness. And how would you say that, you know, that the, the guidelines and the, the issues that you've put into place have affected audiences? Do you think that they've noticed a, a real impact in everything that you've done so far to, to both of you? Yes. Whoever wants to go first. <laughs> Um, I think um, certainly with the outraged campaign, the external audience was incredibly important, but I think the internal audience of stakeholders right across the industry mm. was also incredibly vital in producing that piece of content um, so that this external world of sport fans can see that actually federations, broadcasters, we are sitting up now and we are listening and we genuinely are going to start doing something to tackle these issues. Mm. And Steve, for the audience side of things as well, for, for everything that you've done with, with Sky Rainbow Laces particularly, how have you seen that change and that, the impact of that? Look, I, th I think, I, let, me, let me sort of think about it in two ways. I think we've, we've seen a, a progression around Rainbow Laces in terms of the audience engagement and the, the way that fans react around it. I don't think we should shy away from the fact that um, some of the commitment that we've made around Black Lives Matter and bringing Black Lives Matter to the screen has, has caused, um, has, has, has actually created a bit of social division in the in the audience. Um, 
I think we believe that we're doing the right thing. We're leading the way in what we're doing and what we, we're talking about and what we stand for. Um, there is naturally, or not naturally, there is online hate that comes around it. Mm. Um, there's, you know, when we cover women's football, there's a lot of misogyny and online hate ar around that. So we have to stand firm in what we believe is the right thing to do and lead. And we often talk internally about the difference between being customer leading and customer led. Um, and I think, you know, in this area, we need to be customer leading. We, we, we believe and stand for the principles within Sky and within Sky Sports. And, and so therefore, we have to block out some of, the, some of the audience reaction. And I think what you see there is that then is the, the vast majority of this, what I would almost describe was previously the, the silent majority then step in to that conversation and, and combat some of the comments that, that come there. And I think you, know, you saw that around the, around the Euros and the, and the reaction to the reaction after the yeah. Euros. How do, you, how do you sort of, I mean, just on a personal level, when you see some of those comments and like deal with that, how do you, the teams react in, in your sense? Would you say that it, it's, it's quite triggering for, for many, isn't it? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so would you say that there's a, like a protocol in place for people to understand where that hate comes from? Or is that, how, does, how do people deal with that? Uh, look, I think people are at different places on a spectrum with certainly the triggering, mm. right? And there are people who are dealing with it within our organisation on a day-to-day -day basis when they're, they're moderating some of the comments that are on social media. You know, because of that, we've then invested more money and actually um, you know, moderating the platforms, which again is a measure of... It's a, it's a balance between AI moderation but still in-person moderation. But the, you know, the people who are really at the sharp end of this are the, are, are the, are the minorities that are being discriminated against who are impacted by it day by day. Mm and then the people who are working directly on it. And we've seen that impact over the last, you know, 18 months, two years particularly, I would say. Um, so we just have to be really aware of everything that we put in place, everything that we do, everything that we say. And, you know, we're still, we are definitely still learning. You know, we're having um, regular, we have regular fortnightly conversations where we have a diversity content group where we bring people together, talking about what we're trying to do in sport, talking about how we're trying to shape our output and take things forward, reflecting on some of the things that, that we've, we've put on screen and how we've covered things. But we don't just involve our, our, our sports content community. We involve people in the wider business there to come and help and share and be part of the conversation and bring expertise and information to us that we don't necessarily see or share within within the sports bubble to bring different perspectives sure um just to let you know as well guys um uh, there's the slido app as well if you've got any questions that you want the panel to address um feel free to go on slido and just write your your question down you can put yourself as anonymous or put your name down and we'll we'll feed that through towards the end of the session um uh, sarah in terms of you know why you chose some of the causes you've backed and the issues you've tackled um what would you say is the reasoning behind that I think the great thing about being in a senior position at an independent production company is that we are in a luxur luxurious position to really work on the content that matters. Um, we're trusted partners with our clients. We're more than just an agency that just get commissioned to bring briefs to life. So certainly when women in football approached us off the back of Outraged, absolute no-brainer for me. I'm a female who's worked in the industry and has been a lifelong Spurs fan for my sins. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. What was the, I, I, didn't, I missed the game on um, Sunday. What was the score again? Yeah, let's not talk about that. Thanks. Sorry, I'm an Arsenal fan. Moving sorry. very swiftly on and <laughs> getting back we, we on message. We knew that before. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah, go on. Um, so when women in football approached us, you know, it's a no-brainer for us. This is something that all of us at the company truly believe in. Get, in. get on side as a campaign had already been developed and it was our job to 
you know, produce a promo that could really pack a punch. And for us, the key thing was reaching beyond the standard supportive network that are already listening to Women in Football's message. It's how do we go beyond that? And for us, male allies were really key in that. And if we can play the Get Onside promo, mm. you'll be able to see what I mean. <laughs> Side of change. The side that thinks to the future. Are you ready? I belong in football. We are stronger together. One team, one vision. <laughs> Support everyone's right to thrive. Step up. Make a change. It's the side that believes in equality. It's not men's football. It's, it's not, not women's football. football. It's just football. Get on side. Nice work. <laughs> nice one. Um, in terms of how you chose the people on that, this is a question actually that's come in from Slido, I should say. Um, that, you know, the way that you pick the people involved in that one and the one before with Outraged, how did you go about choosing the, the participants? Um, I think with the Women in Football campaign, it was what's really important for women in football is that it's not just about the women's game, that it is women working right across every single bit of the industry. So that was quite reflective in terms of the contributors that were chosen, that, um, you know, from the boardroom to the referees, you know, that's how we looked at a real sort of cross-section there. And again, with the male allies, um, looking at that cross-section as well to, you know, really mm. get the support because to really make change, as Megan Rapino says, we all need to be outraged that women don't feel necessarily in all aspects of the game that they are welcome. And that male allies aspect, Steve, is really, it's really vital, isn't it, for, for, for effectively for stereotypes to, to go and for, for the doors to open effectively? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've actually become a corporate partner with women in football. We work with women in football over a couple of a couple of years, and we've sort of reinforced our commitment around working with women in football. So actually, we will use that content uh, and try and amplify <laughs> that content with our audience. Uh, I think for us, you'll hear about a bit later on today when Gary comes up to speak about our commitment around WSL. You know, that's been really big commitment from Sky to try and elevate the women's game but I think also importantly what we'll look to do with women in football is tell the stories of behind the Absolutely. scenes um, of the roles that, that various different women play in different organisations in football so we've been talking to the, the team at Women in Football about how we do that across our platforms. And that, that aspect of it you know it's not just what you see in terms of on the, on, on the stage in front of the cameras you know in, in, in on the pitch it's it's all the business side of aspects of it, of it as well isn't it admin side of it too it's just it's a huge area that needs to that needs to kind of be, I guess, shot, uh, have, a, have a light shone in it, in a sense. Um, when you look at, um, you know, how sport has, has um, you know, got a strong position, really, to influence change uh, across sort of many cultural barriers, um, do you think that sport has, uh, you know, a really powerful sort of, I guess, weapon in that respect to, to implement these sorts of changes? What do you think sport can bring for those changes, Sarah? I think, for me, um, sport brings to the global stage the issues of quality and inequality that are going on behind the scenes in society. There's nowhere to hide from it in sport. Gender pay gap, Wimbledon, 
it gets talked about massively. Um, transgender issues, you know, are brought to the fore, not just in terms of the ideology behind that, but genuinely need to be debated, discussed, worked through. Um, and I think sport has done an enormous amount to work to drive change in those areas. Um, but from our side of things, it's about conversation. It's about making sure that we are telling these stories um, to give people the voice so that everyone is aware of the issues that are out there. Mm. And Steve, what would you say to that? How do you think sport has, you know, in terms of its power to... What do you think sport has to, to bring to this world to impact on cultural change? Well, I, th I think what we always look at is it has a different reach to some of the, diff the other forms of output. So, you know, people who are not necessarily engaging with the news will engage through sport, will engage through, you know, the sports stars who, you know, if you, if you look at the, what I think is the sea change in the last couple of years, is in the UK more so than the world, is that the athletes have found their voice and that's the big difference, whereas it's been happening in America. It feels like it's been happening in America for a long period of time or a much longer period of time. Mm. And, you know, being able to tell the stories through the, the athletes' eyes really brings it into focus. People listen and that's, you know, you know you've seen the names that you've got in your, in, in your uh, documentary. They, they're going to listen to these big stars. Um, and, you know, that, that's the big thing that's, that's changed. So it has a, an ability to reach people that aren't tuning in the news every day or aren't watching, you know, if I, if I take it to a slightly different area, but you know, around climate change and sustainability and things mm. like that, who they're not watching the nature documentary where it might be being talked about. But when we try and put it into the context and the editorial of sport and balance how we bring it in there, then it, it, look, if it's just raising more awareness, raising more conversations between people at, at home as well as, you know, on social media and, and uh, on the TV. Yeah, think, and so I don't know you go. I think your point's really interesting though, Steve, um, in terms of the sports stars, and this is where federations and broadcasters are key, because these names need to know that they've got a safe space to be able to speak out, and that's why I think Outraged was just so important, um, because federations need to take the lead in this, they need to take the lead in comms, and they need to be put in budget behind campaigns like Equal Game and documentaries like Outraged and the others that many other broad um, companies are making, not just us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to really, you know, give them that platform because to us they're superstars but to them they're someone who's walking into their place of work on a pitch with potentially thousands of people abusing them for just the way they look yeah or the color of their skin and that's hard should federations play more of a, an active role in your in your eyes then is that how you, you would like to see the lead taken um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's just federations. I think Steve said right at the start, it's about partnership. We all now need to play our part. And, and that comes down to individuals. Like Tyrone Ming said, if you're not doing something, you're part of the problem. Yeah, that's a powerful thing that he said there, actually. Mm. Um, and, you know, being, being part of that solution is such an important aspect for so many players in the field. Do you think that, um, Steve, that, you know, sports broadcasters, federations and clubs really could perhaps back initiatives on a more um, wholehearted level, perhaps. You know, Hate Won't Win was a good example of that. Do you think that there are more initiatives out there, potentially, that people could collaborate on? Uh, definitely. Um, I think one of the things that we've been working on behind the scenes is whether we get a singular message, because actually you, you get the situation where... And we, we partner with various different sports, um, and they all have a different brand or message and you know we're talking as to how do we bring that together and it feels like you know and one of the reasons you know Mark, Mark was one of the driving forces behind the Hit Won't Win campaign and Sky mm. Sports News and bringing organisations together Ordinarily, you wouldn't have seen that you know you wouldn't have seen that video yeah and I think that's important 
um, and it's also something that we learned from Rainbow Laces, that the, the fact that we partnered with, uh, or were partners with the Premier League and the original piece, then empowered other sports to come to us and say, we want to play a part in that. So the ECB came and said, can we, what can we do? Can we do Rainbow Stumps? The Rugby League came and said, we, we haven't got a game, that, that a big game in that period. Can we do something around it in our, in our season? And, and that's the, the start of the momentum. And it, and it builds a, I think it builds a virtuous circle and, and people keep going. And I think the other, the other thing I just want to touch on there about the collaboration piece, I think it's really important that the commercial partners mm. also mm, step absolutely. in. And I think it's yeah. interesting, and we, which is why... I try and sort of point out, you know, the women in football piece, you had Barclays at the end of it, right? You know, it's important that the, the, the partners who step in and support get that acknowledgement for the support that they're making and it's encouraged other commercial partners yeah. to step in and, and support because, you know, we all believe it's the right thing to do and I think the more of us that join together in that, the better mm. it is. Yeah, yeah, good shout. And well, the ideas of where those campaigns could become sort of like relevant, you know, social media, bullying, race, etc., gender equality. Uh, where do the ideas come from in aspects of campaigns? Is that from the broadcaster, from the production company? Who sort of takes the lead on where the direction of the idea goes, would you say, Sarah? Um, I think it completely depends on which campaign. Certainly with UEFA, with the Equal Game campaign, that was devised incredibly collaboratively between us and them. And we were sort of key in choosing the name for the campaign. Um, and we worked, you know, really closely. Same with women in football. The campaign, as I say, was actually already devised. Mm. Our job was to just, you know, produce the content that goes with that campaign. So I think it completely depends, really. Yeah, Steve. On your your aspect, how would you say the idea f sort of forms? So we, we we had to go. It was iterative uh, with the teams at the BBC and uh, at Sky. We came together. We knew that roughly we wanted to do the, the same thing. We actually, it was Mark. Remind me if I'm wrong here, but it was a BBC tagline that we thought was the strongest tagline so therefore we went let's go with your your tagline it's already in place we want to have the we want to have you know overall the, the, the maximum impact so i think it's almost like you know put aside some of the <laughs> w whether it's brand elements or aspects or you know that sense of uh, ownership and neutrality that you know people want to it's all about the campaign you know really that's yeah. what it's about and so just working in a different different way and i think you know some of that actually comes from when i think about you know, when we started engaging more with how we, w how we work on social media and you know, seeing the power of collaboration, the power of collaboration when it works on social media, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you take some of that into the, the, the linear organisations as we, uh, we predominantly were, sorry, mm -hmm. we, we've always been involved in digital, but you know, really transformational collaboration is where, is where it's at. Got you. A couple of questions coming in from the audience. So um, we'll go to uh, one for you, Steve, first, if that's right. Do you feel that scripted campaigns can be seen as box ticking rather than authentic messaging. So that's, uh, that's an interesting one. What do you think about that? Well, I think what we do is we try and get a blend, right? I think um, it's a starting point. Um, authenticity is the key. Um, it's not just what the message is, but it's how you deliver the message. Mm. It's how you follow up on <laughs> it. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a starting point for any of the videos. It's a starting point for the conversation. And then the conversation moves into our studio shows. It moves into discussion on uh, our social media platforms. It moves into discussion on our, uh, you know, Sky Sports News and things like that. So it's a starting point, um, and and therefore, you know, I think it's the right. It's you know, it's a catalyst. Whether it, it does, we I don't feel we are doing it in a box ticking way, and I think more and more people are are getting properly actively involved. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Apologies. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
How would you say sports media can get involved? This is from Tom. Um, so thanks for putting your name out there, Tom, Tom Kingham. Uh, who says, uh, says uh, how does sports media get to a stage where the makeup of teams are more representative, Sarah? What would you um, answer to that one? I think this is really key, actually. And we've, um, it's our 15-year anniversary this year at Shoot the Company. And to celebrate, we've, we're talking about the different things that we could do. And we decided to run a competition called 15K for 15 Years, which was... Um, to find a young content creator, filmmaker, who wouldn't necessarily have that traditional path into the industry and offer them a £15,000 bursary. And there was a lot of debate in the company as we were doing this. We've never done a campaign like this before. Um, you know, are we... We had over 160 entries, which was fantastic. And when we were shortlisting, it's, are we looking to shortlist based on what is the best piece of content that can be made, or is it the person that needs the most support to really get that foot up? And that was... I mean, we have chosen someone who has got a brilliant story but mm -hmm. that was the route that we took and that was really important for us to make sure that we're all listening I I come at things from my perspective and my background and it's really important that we've got lots of people on our team that um, are being listened to and communicated with in a different way because communication is key because just because I communicate in one way it doesn't mean that I need to shut down or not listen to somebody who communicates in a different way. Yeah, sure. Uh, Steve, with the increased um, protection of athletes, this is from uh, Slido again, uh, is it harder that, than ever to gain personal insights? Because I find that that is a really interesting aspect because clubs and you know players, they're so you know controlling of their own brand and their images now that often they may offer a more sanitised version of, uh, of an interview or they may offer you know something that's a bit more protected in terms of what they give to people like us, broadcasters. Um, do you find that it's harder to get real insights and stories when it's so hard to protect what the real story may be for, for someone who's being interviewed? That's interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, th I, th yeah. I, think, it, I think it does make sense. Yeah. Um, I think athletes have never been more accessible, mm -hmm. right? So how they choose to engage um, becomes... Uh, more and more relevant to their own personal brands. I mean, you know, if you just have to look at Mark Rashford and, and see how he's engaging that, that way, and everybody uh, says what a great uh, thing that is. And so I think if more people see real engagement from their athletes, that is that is leading the way. I mean, it's very, very different to what it used to be in terms of post-match interview, no, no, no access. We still got you know the post-match interview where you're talking about the talk, but I think everybody is finding their voice and becoming increasingly comfortable in finding their voice and I'm look I'm sure I'm I'm not sat around the, the athletes and managing their brand or managing things but the more it feels real the more the the public engage with with those individuals you know you can see that whether it's Emma Raducanu coming through and and you know performing as she performed but actually it's a breath of fresh air when she does her media her media work and you hope that that is a way that it keeps going forward so I, I don't actually believe that I think athletes have been more accessible than ever. What it might be more difficult to do is get something exclusive, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and a new story. I think it's interesting. I saw, you know, the city documentary stuff that Gavin was talking about before. I mean, it's, it's brilliant access, right? You know, we pay a fortune for live rights. You know, yeah. we'd love that. We'd love that access. Yeah. But, actually, but, but but actually, the fans have got that access. The city fans have got that access. You know that. The, the, there's more and more of it, so I, I, I don't agree, but it's, it's very difficult to get exclusives, yeah. as, as Mark will testify. Uh, <laughs> I've got another interesting one here. Um, do, um, do any of these campaigns that we've seen so far, uh, do anything, and others that are out there, do, do they do anything to change the hearts and minds of those who hate? Because, you know, as someone who um, has experienced online hate a lot, um, 
it's finding that thing that changes people, that changes their attitudes, changes their, their outlook on life and what, why they feel like they have to send these disgusting messages of hate. Um, so do you think that the campaigns and the films that, have, that are being done go a way to helping change hearts and minds? And do you think there's more ahead if, that, if not so? I think there's definitely more that, that needs to be done. I think social media is it's not my area of expertise, but I think that's it's quite a different... Um, I don't think the outrage documentary is going to change someone who's sitting at home behind a computer spouting vile hate. I, I, I don't. But I think what Paul Pogba talked about in the documentary where the young fan with his dad was abusing him and when he went over and gave his shirt... I think that is it. I think that's how we start to make that difference, is to sort of humanise what these people are doing. And that's where I think storytelling is so incredibly important. And I think, as Steve said, the accessibility of athletes to call this out and say, I'm not just a faceless person that earns X amount of money and scores goals. I'm, I'm a human and this is not right. Mm. Um, Steve, what responsibility do you feel uh, and steps are, and what steps do you think uh, need to be taken to ensure that positive you know, actions on screen um, are reflected behind the camera in sports production and media? That's another question from, uh, from Stu Thompson, actually. So thanks, Stu. Um, I think it reflects a little bit what Zohar was talking about earlier. We need to take more time in our recruitment yeah. and more resource behind it. What we're doing is we're, we're reaching out further, um, and not just externally. I think internally we're looking at how do we develop our our staff and we've got you know a big staff at, uh, at sky sports we've got you know 500 people work within our content organization as a, as a staff so it's, it's about developing internal talent it's about recruiting external talent it's about taking that bit longer to look a bit harder mm -hmm. and find um more and more candidates i think also what we tried to do and we were doing this pre-pandemic as well is you know i've been at sky for over 20 years now and the, the place itself has grown hugely the campus has grown hugely you know Gavin you know you, you mm. you've been there and I think if somebody was coming in there for their first interview or their first assessment day it's pretty awe-inspiring oh yeah and and you could be in a situation to be expected to perform at your best in what you might see as your one opportunity to get through the door so what we are trying to do is open our doors make the campus more accessible so that when people come to a a chance where there's an opportunity to get a um, uh, either a fixed-term contract or a full-time role, that within any sort of assessment, they're going to be giving their, 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 their best selves, bringing their best selves. I think what the other thing that we've talked about is, and it, now post-pandemic, hopefully post-pandemic, mm -hmm. we need to go out and get meet people in their communities as well. Yes. It's not just sitting in West London there. We need to be reaching out and going and understanding there and looking actively in the networks and the recruitment. So that, that's what we're going to be doing um, to try and broaden the diversity of our behind the, behind the camera mm -hmm. as well as what you see on the screens. I yeah. think that's absolutely right, and that's exactly what we were trying to do with our competition, is with the best will in the world, putting it on my social media is not necessarily going to be reaching the people well that it needs to, and we worked really hard to work with partners and networks to really you know, find that talent. Sure. Um, what are the learnings for sports organisations and broadcasters from the social media boycott? And that's from Lawrence. So thanks, Lawrence. Um, so yeah, when when there was a you know the the, the blackout for a, I think it was twenty four hours um, a while ago. What do you think that broadcasters and other organisations within sports federations as well can learn from 
those kinds of public showings of we want action taken? Um, look, I think it was a, it was a statement of people being united together, right? It had a financial impact. We went into it knowing that it would have a financial impact for us, uh, you know, as a commercial organisation, but a you know, relatively small financial impact. But we believed it was the right, th right thing to do. So I think it was more marking that than, any, than anything else. Um, you know, it's, it clearly reached a lot of, uh, a lot of people and, you know, when, Messi, mess, when Messi joins in and things like that. But mm. you know, it's, it's just a way of actually highlighting, I think, to the social media organisations that something needs to change. And you know we work with Facebook, Twitter, YouTube as our partners as well. I think you know the, the work that I've got—I haven't actually mentioned them in, we're near at the end—but the work that Kick It Out and Sanjay Bandari has been doing behind the scenes, and Tony Burnett in bringing the football online hit working group together, bringing different stakeholders that wouldn't have been in a room together, and actually putting some real pressure on. Uh, the social media organisations to take some responsibility for change. That's what comes out of it. It's it's one day. It marks a, a a united approach. But I think it's how we take that forward that's important. Yeah, from your experience, Sarah, of working with you know organisations and, and federations uh, that have to deal with sort of you know these kinds of you know issues that are being raised by the public. What have you noticed from how they react to sort of blackouts and other kind of you know, sort of public sort of showings of, of what they feel about cultural change? Yeah, I think it's it's difficult when looking at federations because their reach is, is so enormous and I think governments play quite a big part for them as well mm. in terms of, you know, who's who they're sort of working with and, and what they can do and can't do in, in certain regions. But, yeah, I think, as Steve said, it's just about uniting and giving people that safe space to say that look we're coming together now to fight this and mm. and it's less about the tangible results i think from that 24 hours yeah. and more about the impact of you know we're in this together and we're actually going to make a make a stand gotcha guys i think we're uh, we're almost out of time the, the, <laughs> the clock is ticking so uh we we have to vacate by zero otherwise we get um detonated um no we don't no we don't um so yeah thanks very much uh, sarah and steve much appreciated for your time um i hope that was useful for you guys as well and as ever if you've got any more questions do feed them through to uh, to jake so <laughs> i'm just nominating you for the for the questions so yeah <laughs> filling your inbox a bit more uh but yeah no thanks very much guys and um yeah i hope it's been useful and any other questions yeah just do feel free to ping them our way uh so yeah cheers again thanks for listening to this episode of the broadcast sport podcast we'll have more soon so subscribe now and we'll see you on the next one.